We're going to be over in the book of Genesis today, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. But there was an elderly man who was walking along the beach, kind of relaxing, just having a good old time, walking along the beach there. And all of a sudden, he came upon this lamp. There was a lamp that seemed that had washed up, kind of buried in the sand a little bit. So he picked up the lamp and he was kind of cleaning it off. And all of a sudden, the genie popped out. And the genie pops out and the genie says to him, You have set me free. I grant you one wish. So the man thought for a minute and he thought, Well, I bet my brother and I had a fallen out about 30 years ago. I would like for him to finally forgive me. Well, there's a loud thunderclap. And then all of a sudden, the genie says, It's done. He has forgiven you. And so he says, You know, most people would have uh, asked for things like riches or um, fame or something along those lines. He says, are you dying that you asked for this, for, for this uh, reinstatement, this relationship? He says, oh, no, 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 not at all. But my brother is, and he's worth $60 million. <laughs> Now, you see, sometimes the words of our mouth will expose the things that are on the inside of our heart. If you just do a little bit of digging. The things of our mouth, folks, expose some of the things that are going on in our heart. And as we told you about before, remember the example with the, with the kids when they were here? We had the Legos. And we had the pictures of the Legos. And they were supposed to build the picture that was on the Lego box. But we only gave them Lincoln Log parts. And you can't build Legos with Lincoln Logs. And so they looked a little puzzled and confused. But this is what we're asking God to do. We're asking God to build something and we're not giving them the right parts. We look in the Word of God and we see this great picture of all these things. We want this for ourselves. And we say, here you go, God. Make it for me. But we're not giving them the right parts. So we're going through the Word of God and we're looking at some of the things that we need to, to do this. Our, starting, our text verse for this was in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. Seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. When he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So that so shall it be. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. We looked at this for the standpoint that many times we have had long-standing conditions that are going on in our life then a miracle has occurred that has set us free from those. But then after some time, we saw the thing come back. And how are we supposed to deal with this when that thing starts to come back? What is, uh, what is supposed to go on? And so that's what we've been using as our text here. We saw that the demon spirit apparently had no trouble getting in this house, as he called it, as Jesus called it here. They had no trouble getting in this house at first. But when, he, when it was empty, clean, so or swept and put in order, then he couldn't get in. So he goes and he gets seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they all come in and they're able to make entry. That sometimes we have done some things to maintain a new state, but we have not done sufficient. We have not made sufficient change to maintain that state that we want. Some of the natural things we can look at, if we were at 250 pounds and we lost 50 pounds, are now 200. We have to do the things that maintain a 200 pound weight. Because the reason that most of us are the weight we are is because we do the things that support it. Does not matter if you... How many of you... Don't raise your hand on this. Inside. How many of you are at a weight that you don't like? It's either too high or too low or something like that. It's just something you don't like. How many of you have a blood pressure that is too high or too low? It's something that you don't like. 
How many of you have a bodily condition somewhere? It's either too high or too low or somehow it's just not at the, the figure that you want it to be at. It's because in our life there are things that support it. You cannot maintain something on a long-term basis if it's not supported. So somehow it's supported. But we have to figure out what it, what it is. See, a lot of times we want to lose weight. This is just an easy one to pick. And we think, well, the things that are supporting it are how many calories I eat and how many calories I burn. And we focus on those two things. But that, not, that may not be all of it. There may be other things that go on as well. But the Spirit of God will help you out. He'll give you wisdom on it. And he'll tell you, you know, stop eating these foods. It might be the type of food that you eat. It may be something completely different than just calories. Whatever it might be. High blood pressure can be supported in your body for a lot of reasons. You need to find out from God, why is it being supported in mine? One person we had who was uh, one of the ministers we had come by here in the last, uh, I don't know, number of years he came, I don't remember who it was. I just remember them talking about it. He said, I have, I've been diagnosed with high blood pressure. And so I started doing this, and he talked about some physical thing he was doing, exercise, and it was helping bring his high blood pressure down. Well, good. That's, that's a good thing. It doesn't do any good to sit around and say, I don't have it. What you've got to do is find out why it's being supported in your life. You find out why it's supported, you get rid of the thing, it will be gone. So this story tells us about a miracle that took place where the unclean spirit was cast out of the man, but the, the new state of the man was not maintained because something was insufficient. And we saw that being uh, swept and put in order, that's a good thing, but apparently it was empty and it needed to be filled. And that was a state that he didn't take care of. We looked at Abraham and we saw that God, it took 24 years to God to get him to a place where he would finally let go of the things that supported a lifestyle of no kids. Abraham was doing things that supported it. He had to change that. Well, last week we looked at Gideon. And we saw that with Gideon, he was doing some things that supported a view of himself of inferiority. That he was not worthy of the thing that God called him to do. That God would declare to him, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And Gideon won't hear it because he couldn't support that because of the other things that were in his life. And we saw how God took care of that. Well, today we're going to take a look at some things that God did in order to, to create some things. How many can see some things in your life you would like to create? I would like to create this kind of health. I would like to create this kind of a weight. I would like to create this kind of enthusiasm. I would like to create this kind of a... Of a uh, Outlook on life. Whatever it might be, you have something that you would like to create in your life and it's just not happening just yet. Let's take a look at how God did some creating. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, I was prepared to just tell you that there's a whole lot more in this verse of Scripture and that if anyone is interested, we'll come back at another time and talk about it. But I figured some of you folks wouldn't like that. And then we have to come up with another day. When we took apart Genesis, I think we spent two or three weeks on it. So I am not going to spend two or three weeks on it, but I'm going to give you a little bit of what this is just to satisfy some of your curiosity. If anybody wants to go any further, you just let me know on this. But you see where it says the earth was without form and void? 
All right, that word was. I am not a Hebrew scholar. I did not take any Hebrew classes. I had no desire to take any Hebrew classes. I despised the Hebrew language. It just We just didn't get along. I got along less with Hebrew than I do with English. I just, wait, it's just a language, I am foreign to it. Greek, I love Greek. I wish I was born and spoke Koine Greek. I, I, wish, I, I wish I did, because that's a language I can line up with. English, not so much. But Greek makes sense. Hebrew, not so much. But Hebrew does not make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it's not quite as bad as French, uh, French but it's, it's up there. That word there for was means was or became. Now, can you see a difference between those two translations? If you say that the earth was formless and void, that would give you one understanding of it. If I say, I built a house and the house was blue. Does that not indicate to you that when I built the house, I built the house blue? All right. If I say, I built a house and it became blue. Does that not indicate to you that it started one way and then changed to blue? All right. So if we translate it this way, it sounds like God created the earth formless and void. Doesn't it? Now, Genesis chapter 1, after verse 2. Actually, after verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, after verse 1, is not the creation account. I mean, have ever heard, you know, we talk about the creation story and God said, let there be light and there was light. That's not the creation. The creation of the earth occurs in verse 1 and that's all. It does not occur in the rest of the, the scriptures. And it's very, very easy to prove. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hebrew has two words for create. One is to create something out of nothing. The other is to create something out of something or to reform it. After verse 1, we don't see this word create for a long time. Because when it says, and God said, let there be light, the word for create is not in that verse. God does not create light when he says, let there be light. So what does he do? Well, we'll get that in a minute. In Isaiah chapter 45, in verse 18, I beheld the earth. And indeed, it was without form and void. Exactly the same words used in Genesis. So, I beheld the earth, and indeed, it was without form and void. And the heavens, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and indeed, they trembled. And all the hills moved back and forth. I beheld, and indeed, there was no man. And all the birds of the heaven had fled. Now, think about this verse. Would you say, in this verse, the earth was formless and void. Would you say, when he is talking about there is no man and the birds fled, does that describe a situation where there never was a man and birds? Or a situation where there was man and birds? Wouldn't it be more logical if the men and the birds were there, if then we talk about them, that the man is not there? And the birds fled. We have only gotten begun. And behold, and indeed, the fruitful land was a wilderness. Does that mean that it was fruitful? 
or that it was always a wilderness. If it was always a wilderness, why does it say that the fruitful land was a wilderness? We're describing the earth in the formless and void state of Genesis chapter 1. And all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. If God created the earth formless and void, as in Genesis 1, as in most people's interpretation, how were their cities? How were their cities? Their cities were broken down. Well, first of all, you have to build the cities in order for the cities to be broken down. Isn't that right? For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate, yet I will not make a full end, for this this shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken, I have purposed, and will not relent, nor will I turn back from it. So what this describes is that God came upon the earth, executed judgment upon it, put darkness upon it, put formless and void on it, took man out and chased away the birds, destroyed all the cities. Is that not what that verse is saying? All right, you don't want to quite commit to that yet. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 23. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth. If you form the earth, is it formless and void? Who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain. That word vain is the exact same word we see in Genesis chapter 1. And the previous words were just in in Isaiah. The exact same word translated formless. The exact same word. It says, who did not create it vain or did not create it formless. So if God did not create it formless, did the, was the earth formless and void or did it become formless and void? It most certainly became formless and void. It was not created in this state. Who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. So he formed the earth to be inhabited. But when we come upon it in Genesis chapter 1, it is formless and void. And according to Isaiah, there were men there and there were cities which are not there now. Isn't that interesting? We're not done yet. Go over to Psalms. I am not covering all of the scriptures. Like I told you, it took us two to three weeks to get through this before. I'm just giving you the highlights. Psalm chapter 104, verse 5. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever, you covered it with the deep as with a garment. What's that describing? You covered the earth with the deep or the water. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. And the voice of your thunder, they hastened away. At your rebuke, they fled. And the voice of your thunder, they hastened away. They went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place which you founded for them. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over that they may not return to cover the earth. So when we come upon Genesis chapter 1 and we see that, that uh, darkness covered the earth and that the Spirit of God hovered upon the surface of the deep, that the entire earth is covered in water, that what he is telling us here in Psalms is those waters 
were originally, originally were made to have a place in the earth. But at this point, they were not in the earth. They were on the earth. And so at his rebuke, he told the waters to recede again and to go back to the place that he made for them when he formed the earth. Can you see that? Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12. Now listen to this. You have heard this scripture before, but I need you to listen to this as he is saying it. Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He is not talking about Tyre. He is talking about the spirit or the force behind the king of Tyre. He's going to go on. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. Talks about his position. He was the worship leader in heaven. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. When Satan comes into the garden of God, is he perfect? And that is because we hear this story in light of what we know in Genesis. But apparently, folks, the garden of Eden was not created for Adam. It was created before Adam was here, was part of the earth before the first flood. And Satan was on the earth in that garden in his perfected state, operating as he was supposed to as the cherub, the covered, or the worship leader. That was Satan's position. Now, I don't know if I, if I kept this in here. or I, Let's keep on going on. It might be in this, in this uh, passage here. No, it's not. It's in another one. But another place it talks about how when Satan fell, he took the nations with him. Not just the fallen angels, but the nations with him. What nations did he take? The nations of the earth. The earth that then was. Now, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now, when we read that, how many of you think of Noah's flood? Well, that would be incorrect, because did Noah's flood cause the earth to perish? What was the purpose of the ark? That the earth would not perish. That there was two to seven of every animal put on the ark. That, that Moses, oh, no, sorry, Noah and his family were put on the ark. The trees would not perish. The fish apparently wouldn't perish. And when Noah came back out of the ark, the trees were growing again. The earth didn't perish. 
What he is talking about is a flood that caused the earth to perish and that everything on it died. Everything died. There was an earth that was, there was an earth that is now, and there is an earth that will be. Here's the three earths. The first perishes by a flood. The second perishes by a fire. At the end of Revelation, what is it that destroys the earth? A fire and purges it. And we have a brand new earth that is made. That is after the millennial reign. The third earth is eternal. Now, turn, now a little bit further down here. I'm sorry, First Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. So that earth, that earth didn't perish because how many souls were saved? Eight. Plus all the animals, birds, so forth. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down into hell and delivered them in the chains of darkness. Now, if you're not familiar with that, there's a couple of instances where people were, I'm sorry, fallen angels sinned. One was when they came down to the daughters of men and had babies. And the first flood wiped out those. The first flood, I'm sorry, Noah's flood wiped out those. Then they came, another group came down and they also had more babies. And children of Israel were supposed to wipe them out. They were supposed to go into Canaan and kill all of them off to get rid of that bloodline, which they did. David was uh, one, he was the one who knocked out the, the last of them with Goliath and his brothers and so forth. So who formerly were disobedient, who won, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Verse uh, 4 of Second Peter 2. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, again we just read about those, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. It's a different type of hell. We're not getting into everything here. But there is not just one hell. There is a there's an abyss. There's a hell that would locked up some of the angels who, who messed up, who stepped step beyond their boundaries. And if you wonder if that's actually true, do you remember when he came up to the man named Legion? And they said in one with one voice they said to him, Have you come to torment us before the time? Why would they ask that question? Because some had been put into torment before the time allotted because of their disobedience. So what they're wondering is, did we overstep our bounds and are there too many in here that we are now going to be punished? Like the others. <laughs> Can you understand that? That's why they asked that question. It's not just a question that's pulled out of the air. There's a reason for it. And did not spare the ancient world. But saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, being in the flood of the, on the world of the ungodly. Now, we read that and we think that it's all talking about the same flood. But first off, we're talking about angels who sinned and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. There's a contrast there. The ancient world, world was wiped out, but Noah's world was not. Now, how many remember what, what the purpose of a rainbow is? God's promise that I will never do this again. 
Now, if it's the first time that God has destroyed the earth to some measure with a flood, if that's the first time, don't you think it's kind of overkill? Why do we have to have that in there? But if Adam, and all the time he was walking, and this did happen, because this is how Peter knew about it. It was passed on. Adam knew about it. He passed it on to those that he walked around with, and they passed it on, and they passed it on, and they passed it on, and they passed it on. When Peter is talking about the, second, the first flood, it's second nature to him. To us, we've forgotten about it. And it's not second nature to us. But he writes about this, the ancient world that then perished, because the people he's writing to, they understand this. There was a world before Adam. Adam was not the first man on this earth. Have you ever heard scientists uncover fossils older than 6,000 years? Life on the earth be older than 6,000 years, and we think that goes against the Bible. It does not go against the Bible, folks. The Bible does not say Adam was the first man. In fact, it says a whole lot. We've only covered some of the scriptures. We haven't covered them all. Again, two to three weeks to cover it all. We're just kind of giving you the, the rundown here so that y'all don't get mad at me and say, how come you did that to us again? <laughs> so just, just giving you the, the, the rundown here with, with what's going on. There was a world in, before Adam, and these folks were highly intelligent because as far as we can tell, they did not fall until Satan fell. So Adam and never had any more than he and Eve on the earth in an unfallen state. Whereas the earth that was before had cities of people in an unfallen state. What do you think their mental capacity was? I don't know how, how true this is, but I've read it in a couple of places. That they have on these stones out in South America. Pictures that date back way before Adam. Pictures of people doing brain surgery. And some very highly technical things. Well, those things would have survived whatever all came in. What about the dinosaurs? You know, people ask, where did the dinosaurs come from? Well, what if the people that were on this earth before Adam interacted with dinosaurs? And you don't know anything about the dinosaurs. All you really know is what people tell you. And all they have is bones. They flesh out the bones and make them look the way they want. I don't know if you've ever, I did some study in this area, but I don't know if you've ever done much in this thing. How many know about T-Rex? How many know that T-Rex is the king of the dinosaurs? Yeah, you know that because people told you. You know, there's also a school of thought that says he was a scavenger. <laughs> because they flesh these things out and make them look as they want. But uh, we have, there is no flesh. All we have is bones. And they try and flesh that out and make it look like what it is. So, um, there is no evolution. They want to say, you know, these things happened before. The Bible's telling you these things happened before. There was a man that was here before. A race of men. They fell into, some of them did, not all of them. I don't think he was able to take all of them, but he took some of them down. And God judged the world that then was and wiped it out completely. So when we come back upon this in Genesis chapter 1, and the earth was formless and void. No, the earth became formless and void because before Genesis chapter 1, the men and the people that were on this earth fell into rebellion with Satan. Some of them rebelled. Some of them probably didn't. And God brought down judgment upon it and wiped the whole thing out with water. And he told Adam about it. And so Adam told other people. And, and uh, Methuselah eventually, I think if Methuselah actually sat on Adam's knee and heard stories right from him. And Methuselah knew Noah. 
Y'all know what Methuselah's name means? It will come when he is gone. It was a prophetic naming of a person that when he died, the flood would come. That's a prophecy from quite a long period of time. Who is the oldest known man we know of in the, in the earth? Methuselah shows the grace of God held it out that long. Had him named this, which was a prophetic name. Anyway, can't get into all that. I'm already getting just sidetracked into stuff. This is, this is a topic you can get into. I told you, two or three weeks you could spend on this easy just to dig into all this stuff. But science does not disprove the Bible, ever. All they do is prove it. And that missing gap, have you ever heard the missing gap? A gap on the earth where there are no skeletons. reason for it is because the earth was judge, in judgment and the entire earth was covered in water and nobody was living. Nobody's living, there's no skeletons. Pretty easy, isn't it? All right, let's get on back to the scripture at hand. Did we wet your whistle enough on that? All right. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. That is actually an incorrect translation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. How many of you heard this so often you can quote it? But that is an incorrect translation. That is not what the Hebrew says. I think I left it in your outline for you. Young's literal translation translates it this way. This way. And God said, let light be, and light is. That's still adding words. But it comes a little closer. Basically, it was this way. And God said, light. That's it. <laughs> and God said, light. And guess what? Light was. Now, we look at that and we say that's when God created the sun. It is not possible for God to have created the sun here. Not possible. Now, how do you say it's not possible? Very easy. In the verse before, what was the Spirit of God hovering upon? The water. Water only exists in a very, by universe standpoint, only exists in a very small envelope of temperatures. If you are below 32 degrees Fahrenheit, it becomes ice. If it's seawater, it goes a little bit lower. But it can freeze. And it will freeze and it will be solid. If you go out on some of the other planets we had, they think there is water there, but it's all frozen. If it goes above, what is it, 212? 212, it becomes steam. So the water has to exist within a temperature range that is not supported by the universe. It is only supported by a sun. You must have a sun to have liquid water. You cannot have liquid water without a sun. Now, you also cannot have liquid water on the earth without a sun because the sun and its interaction with the earth and the earth's rotation and our going around the sun, all this sort of stuff, creates gravity. Gravity keeps our atmosphere and our water from floating away. And you... Without gravity, you do not have anything on the, the surface of the planet. Go over to the moon. The moon has very little gravity. How much is on the surface of the moon? Not a whole lot. So, the sun is already in place. We know that. Well, we already knew that anyway, because there was a world that was here before. And the sun 
gave its light. But you see what he is saying here is not create the sun because the word for create is not used. What he is saying is basically, and I'm paraphrasing, giving you the idea of what is in there. Let the forces that let light come upon the earth be enacted again. And the, the judgment that he had put upon the earth that blocked the sun from coming in. If you block all sunlight from coming onto the earth, what survives? See, things need light. Even things that don't need light need things that need light in order to eat them. Light is essential. If you don't have light, life dies. Got to have light. When he says, let there be light, the sun is there. We know the sun is there because the water is on the earth and because the water is liquid. Therefore, the sun is there. It's in existence. But its light cannot penetrate the earth for whatever God put up in the meantime. And he's done this before. How many read the, ever read the book of Revelation? Remember what happens towards the end of Revelation? Darkness came upon the earth. How did that darkness? It was an eerie darkness. It was a spiritual darkness. Stuff that would run wouldn't even run. Remember in Egypt? One of the judgments that came upon it was there was no light for an entire day. No light. All light was blocked. Everything. Stars, moon, sun, all light was blocked. God can do it. He did it right there. If God can do it for a day, if God can do it for three days, God can do it for as long as He wants. And whatever it is that He enacted blocked the light from coming in. Does not have to be a cloud. In Egypt, we're not told that some great cloud came up and blocked the sunlight. We're not told that there was an eclipse of the sun. We're told that the light could not get through. Now, He is light. He certainly knows how to block it if He wants to. And the earth was blocked from light, but the heat made its way through. So God said, let there be light. Nothing was done until God said it, right? Now, did God want this to be done? Of course he did. That's why he said it, because he wants it to be done. When did God first want the light to come back on the earth? I would say when God created the sun. But he blocked it because of the sin of men and the sin of angels. He blocked the sun from coming to the earth. Probably wanted to have it come back again. But no, we've got to, we're going to walk through this judgment. For however long it was, he walked through that judgment. And now he says, bring it back. So just because God wanted it done didn't mean it was done. Even if God was thinking about doing it, it still was not done. It did not get done until when? Until God said, light be, or however it is that it actually is phrased. Until God said it, there was no light on the face of the earth. The sun was still shining, but there was no light on the face of the earth. Now, there we have your words for create. You can look them up if you want to. But each time that this word let is used... Each time we see this word in our scripture, it's not actually in the, in the Hebrew. But each time we see this, it's describing a phrase that means made appear or made visible. It's, it expresses permission and purpose in connection with an already existent thing. 
let there be light is not the creation of the sun, but the reauthorization of light. See, light needed permission. The phrase, the phrase, as we said, let there be is not in the Hebrew. And God said, light or light be. That's how it would be. And verse 4. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. So the evening and morning were the first day. So he actually looked at, he calls the, the, the light, this is day. He calls the darkness, this is night. How does he do that? He says it. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the, from the waters. Now, I didn't look this one up. Probably should have. But you've got to drop out the let there be. And he's basically saying this. Firmament be in the midst of the waters and divide the waters from the waters. Is what he's saying. So until he says that, nothing happens. Until he says that, water is still over the... We have light... But water is still over the face of the earth. So now he says, firmament. I want there to be a firmament. And what this is, let's read it again. Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. What this is, and we don't have this anymore. The firmament is a coating of water vapor all in the upper atmosphere. And this filtered the light that would come through. It filtered the light that would come through. So that all the UV rays, they didn't come through. That's why people, one of the reasons why people live so long, even after the fall of man, is because those rays, those harmful rays were not coming through. Now, the downside is, you couldn't go outside and soak in the sun. <laughs> How many like to go outside and sunny out there right now? How many like to go outside and just go, ah, oh, I feel that sun on. feels kind of nice. Well, they didn't have that. But the sun wasn't... Uh, the, the rays that could kill you and make your skin wrinkle and get you old and all, they weren't there. Those things were not there. This firmament kept that out. What the firmament also did was it kept the earth at an even temperature so that the equator was about the same temperature as the North Pole. That was kind of good. And you didn't have rain. There were no rainstorms. There was no hurricanes. They didn't have all that. The rain, the, the water, the earth, uh, the Bible tells us the earth was watered by this mist. Anybody ever keep a terrarium? You know, you get a terrarium, you get your little planter, you get however size you do, you know, get the soil in there, you get the plants in there, and then you have some water, a little, little pond or something over there, and then you put a cover over it. And then the water kind of goes up into the, the top and drips back down. And then goes up to the top and then drips back down. Up to the top and drips back down. And you never have to water it. It just keeps watering itself. Wonderful little thing. You can just keep that going. If you, if you have a hard time keeping plants, get a terrarium. It'll water itself. You just got to, every once in a while, you might have to throw some water in because if you take the lid off, some of the water will escape. But that's basically what this was going on. So the earth was a nice, comfortable temperature, apparently comfortable enough that Adam and Eve could go around without any clothes on and not be cold. Whatever temperature you figure that would be, that's the temperature that the earth was. So they, this is what this firmament did. And it also uh, did, had a lot of benefits for the, that as well. But a lot of the water that was on the surface of the earth got sucked up into this firmament. And he created this firmament in there to create this atmosphere for the, for the people to live in. 
And so we have, have that in there. Now this firmament went away when Noah's flood came. And remember Noah's flood. Noah's flood was not caused by rain. Noah's flood was not caused by rain. But it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, why did it rain for 40 days and 40 nights if it was not caused by rain? Well, it's simple. The reason that the flood happened is because the water that was in the firmament came down upon the earth. Now, how did it do that? Well, I've done some studies on this and found out that there's actually some uh, markings upon the earth. And what they believe caused the flood, uh, these, are, these are people who believe in God. These are not just heathen scientists, was that there was an asteroid that had come close to the earth, not close enough to strike it, but close enough that it got caught in earth's gravitational pull. And it actually circled the earth two and three quarter times. Now, when an asteroid gets caught into the atmosphere, or the, the gravitational pull, and it gets pulled in by the earth, it begins to gain speed. And as it gains enough speed, it shoots it, it, it off. And so it went off in another direction. But during that time, just like when the moon pulls the water to itself and it creates a high tide, this asteroid caused a huge wave to be created that went around the earth two and three quarter time or thereabout. The ark that God had Noah built was built in such a way, they've actually remade this thing and, and it was, was done such that if high waves came to the ark, the ark actually became more stable. It was very solid in a storm because the ark did not have to withstand a flood of waters. It did not have to withstand the rain that was coming down. It had to withstand the wave that was coming. And if we had time, I would show you in the Hebrew where it talks about the waters were coming and going. It actually describes more of a wave than it does of a steadily rising amount of water. At the end point, when all that ferment had come down, God put it away in its place inside the earth and it was no longer there. But that's what this ferment was. I wasn't planning on getting into that one, but it's there. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters be under the, under the heavens, be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So he says this, and then the dry land appears. The dry land is there. God's desire is to bring this dry land back, but it's not happening until when? Until God said. And God called the dry land earth. And gathering together of the waters, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. How many times does it say that God put a label on something? Night, day, earth, seas. Why does God do that? When he makes all the animals and he brings Adam over there and he says, what, is, what does he ask Adam to do? Name them. Now I'm told, I, I'm not sure how they figured this out. I haven't looked into that much. But the what Adam actually did was not name them giraffe, elephant, and things like that. He actually classified them by their families um, and, and all the different breakdowns that we have. Actually put them in their, their breakdown. Oh, that's, a, that's in the dog family. That's a, that's a wolf, but that's in the dog family. They put them all in their families, categories. He did all that. I'm not sure exactly how they got that part, but uh, that's what they say. That's what some of the people I've read after who, who say that. <clears throat> then God said, 
Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And it was so. Now, see, I read that. I'm a, I'm a Trekkie. I, always, I think of Captain Picard. I see. When, when Captain Picard would hear things, people would say, we could do this, we could do this. He would always say, make it so. Make it so. Yeah, he had to be a word man. I just see God do it, do it this way. Make it so. And the earth brought forth grass and herbs and yield seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind and God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Now we could keep on going here in the book of Genesis and look for each of these days and God says, let this happen and this would happen. Let this happen and this would happen. But nothing happened until God said it. There is creative power in the words that God has. And when God said this, this happened. But God said it first. Now there's some things Jesus said. Verse, um, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Right? How does he know he's going to heal him? Does he know what God's will is? Because some people will say you've got to know the will of God before you can just get God might want him sick. Apparently that's not so with Jesus. I will come and heal him. Doesn't he say that? He has declared his direction and his purpose for what he's going to do. Alright, let's go on to another Another one. In Mark chapter 11, verse 14. In response, Jesus said to it, speaking to the tree, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now, there it's not in our outline, but uh, we're going to come back to Mark chapter 11, verse 22, eventually. John chapter 2, verse 3. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom said to him, Every man at the beginning and sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Jesus said, whatever, do whatever he says. And then Jesus came in there and said, fill the water pots with water. And they did what? They weren't going to fill them on their own. Jesus said to do it. John chapter 5, verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, a while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, 
Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. That day was the Sabbath. John chapter 11, verse 39. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then it took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Is he now done praying? Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out and bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. He had to say some things. This is why we're looking at all this, all these scriptures. Because, folks, we need to give God Legos if we want him to build the Lego, the Lego project. If we want him to make that picture, we've got to give him the right tools. And here's what we're doing. We are speaking the wrong words out of our mouth. Entirely wrong words. We want to get before God in our prayer room and we want to say, Oh God, I want to submit to you. I want to do what you want. Oh God, I want you to uh, help me out here. And all these good things are coming out. And then we go out there. I hate my job. <laughs> Father God, I want you to help me with my, uh, my lawnmower. My lawnmower was acting up and I, I, need, to, I need it to work this, this year. I need my lawnmower to work. And you go out there in the spring and you bring out that lawnmower. And you, you, pull the, you pull the cord and it doesn't quite start up. I hate this lawnmower. This lawnmower never works. Every time I need this lawnmower, it doesn't work. Do we not say those kind of things? We go onto our computer to do our work. We have prayed. Father God, I pray that my work is blessed. I pray that you help me in all the things that I endeavor to do. And we open up that computer and we start typing and the computer does something funny. And what do we say? I hate this computer. We're up on the internet. We're trying to get our banking done. And it's not quite working. And what do we say? I hate the internet. It never works. I hate my Wi-Fi. It's never working. Why do we say that? Because we have launched creative words. And we wonder why we struggle. It's because... Even though our prayer time is just fine. When we come on out here, we are saying words we shouldn't be saying. And we are messing it up. We ought to be going out to that lawnmower and pulling that ripcord. And if it doesn't quite turn over, glory to God. It's going to do it on this one. <laughs> glory to God. This one's going to work. <laughs> and you pull it again. Now, I know what it's like to, to work with stuff. I think I told you a little bit about the computer that I was working with. You know, every time that I hit a, the number eight, it would also put in a forward slash. Every time. Every, hit the number eight, forward slash would come right after it. That was not the most irritating thing it would do. Every time I hit a comma. How many times do you hit a comma when you were writing something? Every time I hit a comma on this computer. Say Every. Every, every single time I hit a comma, the, arrow, the, the cursor, after it put the comma in, it would move up into the other line. 
And if you were not conscious of it every single time that you are writing, every single time that you are writing, the cursor would go up and you'd be writing on a different line. Right in the middle of a word, you would split up that word with the sentence that you are now trying to finish. How many times I would forget and the arrow would go up or the, the cursor would go up and I'd be typing and I'd get 10, 15, 20 words in. Ah, oh, where did it start? And I had to find the starting spot and the ending spot, cut it all out, put it in its right spot to make sure that the word came back together. Yeah, that gets aggravating. Yeah, and that's not all that it would do. This would happen with several. Every time, how many times do you hit the letter I when you write? All right, every time I hit the letter I, every time I hit the letter I, the cursor would go to the end of the document. Now, this is just fine if you are typing at the end of the document. But if you are not typing at the end of the document, it would go down to the bottom and begin to type in another field or another place. <laughs> How many of you would like to let out of your mouth, I hate this computer? <laughs> but see, I know these words have power. And so I'd be typing along. Oh, it did it again. But I didn't let out of my didn't let come out of my mouth. I hate this computer. I would not do it. I may have thought it a few times. I'm not saying I'm I'm perfect in that. But then I just remember back to the guy who was back in the, the day when the all the food was being released and um you know the they were having the famine in the city and the army was gonna pull out and all this food was going to be available. And the guy said, if God would open the windows of heaven, how could that be? And the prophet said to him, well, you'll hear about it, but you won't eat it. You'll die. And he did. So see, it's one thing to think it. It's another thing to say it. Because there's a whole lot of people who are thinking that there. Only one person said it. Don't be the one person who says it. Don't say it. Speak good things. Speak good things about your car. Good things about your lawnmower. Good things about your house. Good things about your job. Good things about your... Keep speaking good things. Speak good things over your kids. I don't care how old they are. Keep speaking good things over them. Don't pronounce anything awful on them. Say good things. These are things you've got to do. Uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 25. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said, How dare you call me a little dog? <laughs> no, she didn't say that, did she? She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Now watch these words of Jesus. Then he said to her, For this saying for this saying go your way the demon has gone out of your daughter for this what for this saying in other words because of the words you uttered with your mouth your daughter is now healed how powerful are the words of your mouth a whole lot more powerful folks than we think we are
You all know this story. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She heard, when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing, his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. What did she say? If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. The only thing that was the if for her was, can I get close enough to him and can I touch the hem of his garment? That's the only if. But if I get there and I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. The words that you speak, folks, and we're not just talking health. We're talking all kinds of things. Your relationships, your prosperity on your job, all sorts of stuff. Your words are key. If they say at your job, well, they're not hiring, they're not promoting anyone else more. And I go out from there and I say, well, I guess I can't get promoted then. Well, I guess I can't have this then. Why? Because something got sold on the inside of me that now makes me say that. But see, my words have created power. Why? Because God made it that way. We didn't go covering the last scripture. But look at um, John, uh, Luke chapter 10. Then the 70 returned, the 70 that he sent out, with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. In other words, they went out, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the demons came out. Healings went on. Sickness went out. Because they went out and with their words caused these things to happen. So here's the question. What kind of power are you releasing with your words? What kind of power are you releasing with your words? Are you careful with your words all day long? Are you careful with the words that you speak on a regular basis? What kind of words do you say to yourself? I'm a failure. I'm no good. I'm down. I'm not happy. I have no friends. I have no purpose. I have no reason. You say these things to yourself, guess what? You'll live up to them. Remember that uh, video my wife brought in here some weeks ago? A little girl standing in front of the mirror and declaring who she was, how her day was going to go with enthusiasm. And apparently she did that on a regular basis. We need to do these kind of things on a regular basis. Wake up in the morning. Speak life to yourself. Speak life to your body. Speak life to your job. Blessings on your kids. Don't be speaking other stuff. You're giving God the wrong things. I'm saying, God, I want to lose weight. God, I want to have a better job. God, I want to be prosperous in the things that I do. And I go out here and say, I'm always going to be fat. I just can't lose the weight. Anybody say that one? I just can't lose the weight. Guess what? You can't lose the weight. No, what you do, you stand up in front of me. I can lose this weight. I can stick with this diet. I can exercise the way I've said I'm going to exercise. I can do it. And you declare that self with your, each, each time that you do it. I told you this story sometime. I love this. I just heard it again. Brother Keith just told it again about the uh, uh, relative that he had. And he went into, he just, get, just cutting his teeth on the things of faith. Got into the room, 
They were, he was dying. They were preparing him to die. And he, he, uh, he got up to him and he says, Get it. I'm so weak. That's all he could get out. I'm so weak. And so he would, uh, he'd tell him, No, no, no. We're going to do this. This is what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, Like the weak say, I am strong. So I am strong, but I'm not strong. Doesn't matter. Let the weak say, I am strong. So he began to say, I am strong. And within an hour or two, they had him sitting up. It was that much of a change. I remember another story that he added. Uh, he told about a guy who was a smoker. Came up to get prayed for, for be delivered from smoking. And get prayed for, delivered from smoking. I don't want to smoke anymore. I don't want this to go on. And so no matter what I tried, it doesn't work. I always come back and I start smoking again. He said, if you can do anything, you know, pray over me, help me out with this. He says, well... I said, I can help you out with this thing, but you've got to promise me that you will do what I am telling you to do. I mean, remember this story. I love this story. This is a great story. You will do. He said, well, if it's easy, I'll do it. It's the easiest thing you've ever done. He says, I want you to do this. When you, when you go out, he said, when you uh, light up a cigarette at work, you have to go outside, right? I go outside. Yeah. When you go outside and light up that cigarette, I want you to say this. I am free from smoking. But I'd be smoking. He said, that's right. You want me to say, I'm free from smoking as I light up and I'm smoking. That's exactly right. But I'm still smoking. That's all right. I want you to say, I am free from smoking. Whenever you light up, I want you to say, I am free from smoking. So he agreed to do that. It wasn't more than a couple weeks later. They had run to each other again. And he said, I'm free. I don't even desire it. I don't even want it. I am free. See, you've got to declare where you want to go. It's not denying what is going on in your body. The Word of God is not about denying. Word about Abraham and the Hebrews. And Abraham considered not his own body. Actually, the wording says, he he understood that his body was old. And he had passed the point. But despite that, he went on and believed God. You don't have to deny what it is that you're going on. You don't have to deny that you're at a weight that you don't want to be. That you'd have headaches that you don't want. Or that you have pains that you don't like. You don't have to deny any of that. You don't have to deny it at all. All you've got to do is get in there and say, this is not how it's going to be. I'm going to do something different. Just like we all did this morning. We turned our, heat, our thermostats up, right? How many felt cold when you got out of your... Turned your thermostat up. Why? Your house is not 72 degrees. Thermostat says it's 64 you're lying. No, you're not. You're making a call for a change. Call for the change. Just understand, your words have creative power because God made it that way. You can create good. You can create bad. But you have the ability to create things with your words. The Word of God tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you declaring over your body? What are you declaring over your life? What are you declaring over your spirit? What are you declaring over the things you're doing for God? What are you declaring over your kids? What are you declaring over your job? What are you declaring over your finances? How many have ever said this one? There's always more month than there is money. Ever said that? (laughs) Yeah, that won't fix your situation, will it? It'll make it worse. It'll make... You ought to go in there and say, thank God, I have more money than I have month. 
And inside it will say, but you don't. Oh, I do. I do. And you get out there. See, we fall into these things. Don't be falling into it. I have more money than I have months. Say it that way. The people at my job love me. Oh, you don't know where I work. The people at my job love me. All right, we'll keep, we'll keep meddling here. How many can remember your last family gathering that you had a whole bunch of family people coming together? And how many out of your mouth said, I know this is going to go badly? Anybody say anything like that? Did it go badly? <laughs> what if we said, glory to God, we're getting the family together, it's going to go good. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's a, that's a, I've, said, I've said it the other way around to myself too. I know it. Declare what God has said. Not what you see. Not what you expect. Remember Jesus said to the man at the pool, rise, take up your bed, and walk. What if he would have said, but I can't. What if he would have said that? He wouldn't have gotten up, would he? Don't argue. With creative words. When Jesus says light be, there was, still, there was darkness. But when he said it, it opened it up and light came. God used creative words. Jesus used creative words. And the people they sent out from them used creative words. They used words to create things. We didn't get into Peter and John. Peter and John come to the beautiful gate, find the lame man there. Lame man laying there. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately he reached down and grabbed him. And he leaped to his feet and began walking, leaping, and praising God. (laughs) We didn't get into it after all, but Mark chapter 11 teaches us whatever things you say, constantly talks about the things that we say. What are you saying? Stop it. Stop the bad stuff and get the good stuff going on. Get that creative thing. What is it that you want to do? Well, I'd really like to do this for God. Then begin to say it. Well, I'd really like to see this go on in my body. Then begin to say it. Well, I'd really like to see this go on with my kids. Then begin to say it. Well, I'd really like to see this go on in my marriage, then begin to say it. You got to begin to say it. The things that you're saying, you are getting. You don't want them. (laughs) Sometimes we don't want them, but we're getting them because I keep saying them. Stop saying the things you don't want. Begin to say the things that you do. Then just begin to sit around and ponder. Think on those things. Word of God says, think on these things, things that are good. I can keep going on this for a while. We'll have more to take on it next week. We're going to have our communion Sunday here this morning. Ushers will be coming. Distributing these to you. As they do, the Word of God says, take this time and examine yourself. And make sure. You are 
prepared, that you're ready. Have you got anything against somebody? As far as it matters for yourself, clear it up. Well, I can't ask them to forgive you. didn't say ask them to forgive you. It said get rid of any bitterness you got going on the inside. Just let it go. Don't harbor that stuff. It's important. When Jesus talked about answered prayer, you know, the only thing he ever talked about associating with it as far as keeping prayers unanswered is unforgiveness. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, doesn't he say that in Mark? If you stand praying and you have anything against anyone, no, don't, don't, don't hang on to that sort of stuff. Let that, let that go. But Jesus came down this earth and he declared what he was going to do before it ever happened. He said, the Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of sinners, will be beaten and put on a cross and die. And on the third day will rise again. Did he not over and over declare that was his path? On the third day, will rise again. He kept constantly declaring. Hadn't happened yet. Hadn't happened at all. But he kept declaring what was going to happen. What things are you declaring are going to happen? What things? Declare the good. See the good and declare it. Speak it out. God is doing this in my life. God is bringing this into my life. I do not have to harbor unforgiveness. No, no, no. I can let all that go because Jesus Christ forgave me. I can forgive others. I can walk a life free from bitterness, free from strife, and declare the things that are going to happen in your life. Now you've got one hand, you're holding, holding your stuff. The other hand, it's either empty or you're holding the bread. I won't spill. I want you to do this. How many of you have some things that you want to happen in your life, whether it be with your physical body, your spiritual life, your calling, direction, whatever it is, you have something in your life that is not here yet and you want it to be? Those are the things that you ought to be declaring. You ought to be waking up and saying, I am in whatever it is. You declare it. You look in the mirror, I am 50 pounds lighter. I do not have high blood pressure anymore. I am free from headaches. You declare those things. Instead, what we're doing, a headache again? Am I going to keep taking these pills for the rest of my life? See, we're declaring our future. But it's not a future we want. Declare the future that you want. Speak it out of your mouth. Build that expectation. Isn't that what Abraham did? What did God have him do? Declare your future every day. I am a father of many. Gideon, I see you as a mighty man of valor. Thank you, Jesus. 
Did he not get them to declare their future? Declare your future. Speak it out of your mouth. You should be able to do it with joy. And joy should build on the inside of you. Glory to God. Glory to God. On the night before Jesus was crucified, took his disciples up to the upper room to have the last supper with him. And before the supper began, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. Because upon his body was put all of our sickness, all our disease. We don't have to bear it in our body anymore. <laughs> he bore it for us. Glory to God. As we eat together, let's remember what He did for us. At the end of supper, whole meal in between, He took the cup and He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. By His blood... We have been cleansed from sin. The ransom has been paid. And we are set free. As we drink together, there is nothing we need to add to the forgiveness that we have received from God. Let's drink and remember that. The enemy wants you to forget these things which is why Jesus said keep doing this and remember remember do this as often stay in remembrance stay remembering what God has done whatever his promises for your life declare those speak those now we every week we have the praise reports this is your assignment this is what I want you to do for next week I want you to write down your prayer report of what you're declaring in your life. It hasn't happened yet, but you are declaring the path. I want you to write that into a praise report and declare that. Don't forget. Do that for next week. Ethel was talking about Wednesday night service. We were in Philippians. There was a mindset that Paul says is in Jesus that ought to be in us. It has a lot to do with this what we're doing, looking at right here. It's imperative that we get that mindset in us. Most of us don't know what that mindset is. If we say, let, your, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, we think something completely different from what Paul was saying. And what Paul was saying was not easy, but boy, was it helpful. Ethel has a praise report. Thank God. Protected my identity from being used to purchase items or to get credit cards in my name. Over to God. I'm sure there's more of a story to that than, than what we have there. But Oh, uh, and Susan is thanking the Lord for an order to come for her parts business. And there's another one. All right. Bacon's, our house is officially on the market. Oh, thank you. Our, our house is officially on the market. P.S. My house has been entirely clean for a whole week. <laughs> With two kids, you all know that's a, 
That's a praise report right there. Whew. And so, praising God for the salvations, healings, and all the great things he did uh, during my trip to India and for all the things he will do. Thanking God for a wonderful trip, for his protection over me and his team and bringing us home safe. Thank you all for your prayers for me and the team while we were away. All right. I was looking at all those pictures that were put up and then I found out that she didn't put those ones up yet. They were, uh, <laughs> what she shared. I thought they were hers. <laughs> I look at this. Oh, look at that. She got those things posted. The whole week I was going through, look at this. She's post, she didn't think she was going to post them. And then she came home and busted my bubble, bubble on that one. <laughs> so we're going to see some from, from your camera though, right? <laughs> All right. Glory to God. Susan, uh, work starts on my porch. This is a prayer, uh, prayer, uh, prayer request. Work starts on my porch. On the 20th of this month, weather permitting, pray all goes well. My faucet in the bathroom broke and needs wisdom on what to do for the house there. All right, Candy, is prayer for this? Boy, I have no idea what that word is. Posterior. Man. The names they come up with, no wonder they abbreviate them. That is where the membrane separated from the retina. She has surgery for that on the 6th which would be tomorrow. tomorrow. All right. So we're praying for, for that. All right. Well, let's all stand up. A couple that are around. Candy, be laying hands on her. Let's get some folks to get around her, lay hands on her. Father God, we just thank you for good things going on in this surgery tomorrow, that the, whatever is being unattached will be attached. We thank you right now, Father, for that going on. Watching over the surgeon. I thank you that he is guided. He is able to do even above what his skill level is. You're just going to anoint him. And use him because he's working on one of yours. We thank you for that. And Father, we thank you for the wisdom you give Susan in this house and the things going on with it. And also for the great work that will be done on her porch. Done well. Done with integrity. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Well, have a great week. We'll see some of you back out here on Wednesday. We have the financial class starts at 1 o'clock today. Next week is the end times class. We finish up the teachings of Paul next uh, Sunday. In the end times class, Wednesday we're still in the Philippians and bless some people before you, you get out of here today.